Councilwoman Ina Vernikoff has quickly become a powerful and influential leader in the Brooklyn Jewish community. She's a fearless defender of Jewish values, taking on CUNY, BDS movement, Alvin Bragg, which are some serious heavyweights. I'm not trying to pander here, but I really do admire your work. The Councilman is the minority whip of the New York City Council. It's a real privilege, Councilwoman Vernikoff, to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. And like, it almost seems like you came out of nowhere and like you're in all the papers now, as I said, fighting these major heavyweights. And not to diminish, by the way, from your amazing accomplishments, how many Republicans are there in the New York City Council? Like like five, right? There are now five Republicans, and that's a huge increase from, you know, from before. This is the first time it's been five Republicans out of 51. Huh. Men in the- Which is crazy, because obviously it's not a huge number. And it, you, know, you had like a 20% chance of being chosen minority whip. But I, that's just, I'm just joking about that. I'm saying it's cool that you actually flipped Republican. I think that, uh, you know, hopefully more people will follow suit. In a landslide, I mean, I think it changed the course of what's happening now. And I think a lot of people are now going to run Republican, um, not just in this area, but throughout the city. Which we so desperately need. And speaking of that, and we are going to get to CUNY in a moment, which I know is a battle that you've been fighting hard. Uh, But I want to begin with crime and specifically the surge in anti-Semitic hate crimes. And even just this week, there was another brutal attack in Crown Heights, which I know is not in your district, but it's in Brooklyn, a religious Jew viciously beaten in broad daylight in front of his own five-year-old child. And every few days, just there's another vicious attack. So my question is, is anything practically being done to prevent these horrific hate crimes? I'm not talking about meetings and task forces and all of that, but like real solutions. Look, I think it's a really big challenge. We're coming out after an eight-year disastrous administration of Mayor de Blasio, who literally handcuffed our police. Um, he and the city council, the previous city council and the current city council, council quite frankly, uh, you know, set this tone for our police officers that makes them want to quit their jobs. Their hands are tied. Um, we have about 2,000 police officers that are going to retire. Uh, you know, they're hated. They're, they're disliked, they are called names. So it's not just the call for defund the police that started a couple of years back. Um, it's also just the attitude and the atmosphere, the anti-police sentiment that we're experiencing in our city uh, that is really harmful. And you mentioned Alvin Bragg. I mean, he's the perfect example of a politician who literally protects criminals over law-abiding citizens. So, and this this latest incident with Jose Alba, um, a guy who was yeah. defending himself, attacked by a criminal with a long rap sheet. Um, he is now facing murder charges for defending himself. And a woman who attacked him with a knife is completely free, no charge. So it, it, it's the politicians that are creating these policies that are making our law-abiding citizens completely unsafe. Um, and, yeah. you know, you mentioned Mayor Adams, you know. Uh, yeah, look, what do you I think, think of, the- of Mayor Adams? I mean, bottom line, he's the, and I might have mentioned about Jose Alba. I mean, it's literally on video. I mean, anyone looking sees the self-defense, and it's like if we were in that position, we would have done the exact same thing. This man was sitting in jail. Now he's out on bail. He's charged with murder. And, and like you said, the person who attacked him walked free. People, it's, all, it's like almost mind-boggling. And uh, I, I honestly think Eric Adams has not been outspoken enough. I and mean, I'm terrified. What if somebody defends themselves and, and it doesn't happen to be caught on video? So, yeah, tell me what your thoughts are on Eric Adams here. He's been in office for six months. 
So look, I um, know the mayor. I have a good relationship with the mayor. I have um, you know a good relationship with the, his staff, his chief of staff, um, the liaisons that work work for him. I do um, earnestly believe that he is really trying to fix the city. He He's really um, trying to fix the crime situation. He is a very pro-police. He supports our police officers. But unfortunately, he is just one man. And he's a man who is uh, in charge of a city that is eight to one Democrat. Um, there are a lot of lefty progressives here who hate the police and he has to, you know, he's got to satisfy everybody, but it's not just that. Um, it's really, it also, there, there are others, right? There are other politicians who are in charge and there are things that Mayor Adams is just not in power to do. Um, for example, the bail reform laws that really embolden criminals, um, that all comes from the state, that comes from Albany. Yeah. Um, and Mayor Adams went to Albany twice right, to try to fight this ridiculous bail reform that creates this revolving door of justice. And he, unfortunately, for now, wasn't successful. So we have a governor, um, we've got the state legislature, and we have to deal with them too. One man cannot fix everything in six months. I, I have that. faith and hope that he will create a lot of, yeah, but well, um, sort you of know, the bottom it's going to take time and it, it's not. And I admire, appreciate everything you're saying, and definitely the state, you know, with 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 the crazy no cash bail that obviously handcuffs Adams in a lot of ways. At the same time, he could bring back stop and frisk. He's not bringing back stop and frisk. Like we know what worked because like Giuliani did it, Mayor Bloomberg did it. Like you said, De Blasio then literally like uh, crushed all that and destroyed all of what they did and made, as you said, you know, just totally demoralized the police, turned like the the police into the bad guys. It's just uh, it's it's hit, it's egregious. But, um, you know, I do think bottom line at the end of the day, it sounds like you're saying there are not there are limited solutions kind of on the local side, on the on the city side of things. And like like if you're saying that Mayor Adams as the mayor, who's pretty powerful, there's no like solution that you can see where the crime and the anti-Semitism is really going to decrease anytime soon. I mean, let's just be honest, that's a very kind of bleak picture that you're painting. Look, I think there is a lot more that can be done. I think it's going to take time. I'm just saying that, you know, we can't all put it on one man and, you know, we just got to give it a little more time. Um, and there, there are things that could be done better. Um, I just understand how difficult it is. But of course, there are many changes that could still be made. And by the way, you know, the biggest thing that could happen in the city, I think, um, is firing D.A. Brown. Um, and I think, Which you know, up to Hochul. It's, it's up to Hochul. And I think, you know, look, if she won't do it, then we got to get Lee Zeldin into office. And he promised that that's the first thing that he's going to do when he's in office. He's going to fire Alvin Brad. And we, we really do need that. Yeah. I, and look, and I know you support Zeldin. I mean, I'm a big fan of Zeldin. Uh, and I know you endorsed him, I believe. Um, I, I, it's a long shot in, in New York. The, the, just if you just like you said, if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, it's a long shot that any Republican, you know, wins governor. I think we, we have the best shot we've had in a long time because Hochul's very unpopular. And, uh, you know, the people, Democrats in general, there might be people who are kind of voting Republican down the line this year. But it's a long shot. Look, when I was running for office and I'm not comparing because I was running in a conservative district, um, everyone said that. Everyone said it's a long shot. Everyone, all the establishment supported my opponent. Um, and I took it in a landslide at the end. It's because people were fed up. And I couldn't have gotten, um, you know, the results that I did with just Republican votes. 
I'm talking about actual Democrats, not people who are just registered Democrats, people who are actually Democrats in ideology. Um, they are really fed up. They're really fed up. And, you know, if you talk about Alvin Bragg and mandates, there are plenty of Democrats who are just fed up with our government and yeah. the way things have been running. Um, and they Great are point. willing to give a Republican a chance. Great point. And Pataki, Pataki was a long shot and Trump was a long shot in 2016. And you're absolutely right. All right. I know you got to run soon. I do want to get to CUNY. I mean, you've been battling them fiercely. There's this anti they are just steeped in anti-Semitic culture. Uh, we know about the CUNY Law School, the faculty voting pro BDS. And uh, there's, in general, I think that there's this anti-Semitic culture, students who walk into CUNY, Jewish students, they, you know, they almost feel like they're under attack. You pulled the $50,000 in funding. You held a hearing. The chancellor did not show up, which was a disgrace. And you called him out on it. And then I believe this week, if I'm not mistaken, you you did have a meeting with the chancellor. So just tell me about all of that and, and uh, where that stands right now and what you think can be done to change it. Sure. So first of all, uh, an interesting point is that, unfortunately, it took me to call on the chancellor to resign uh, and make, create a big public outcry for me to have an in-person meeting with the chancellor. You know, and even after we called for his resignation, I was offered a Zoom meeting. Um, <laughs> obviously, I uh, did not accept that. It's, you know, after an in, it's an insult after an insult to the Jewish community. Um, so I finally got my in-person meeting. Um, and look, I think it was a very positive meeting. It was a positive first step. Um, I brought with me to the meeting a student who talked about her experiences, who gave suggestions about what can be done. She literally cried in the meeting. I brought um, Hillary. Well, Executive Director Ilya Bratman, who really knows very well about everything that's going on at CUNY. He's the Hill Director of many CUNYs in the, in the city. Actually, all, all the CUNYs in Manhattan, he's in charge of, and he's also a faculty member of both Baruch and John Jay. So he knows very well about what's happening at CUNY and what's been happening at CUNY for many years. It's really been, it's infested with hate and anti-Semitism for many years. And I myself have been um, fighting this for a long time, it just happens to be that now I have this great platform to have a, a bigger voice and be able to speak out and really change. Um, so, uh, I right. also brought with me a list of recommendations demands uh, to the meeting, and um, you know it was good to hear that CUNY, um, since the hearing, has already started working on some um, on some things according to what they're saying. Um, one of the things which was brought up in the hearing was implementing the IRA definition of anti-Semitism, adopting that, and they said right. they already into that. Deal. Big deal, very, very important. Um, the governor has adopted it. She issued a proclamation. Um, the State Department has adopted it. NYU and PACE have both adopted the IRA definition of anti-Semitism. There's no reason why CUNY shouldn't. Um, they said they're looking into it and they're considering it and they're looking to figure out what the governor meant by the proclamation that she made. So we're going to hear back from them about that. But they have already committed to including anti-Semitism in the diversity, inclusion, um, diversity, equity and inclusion training and anti-discrimination training. Um, so that's something they've already committed to. They said I could check that off my list as well as new exchange programs with Israel. Um, also, the chancellor said you could check it off your list. It's, those things are 
uh, you know, part of what I had on my list of recommendations. Um, and then I requested that a response be made to me in writing uh, about the other things I'm requesting. So they they told me they would they would give me a response in writing and we'll have a follow up. meeting. Look, one thing is clear is they they definitely feel kind of the heat. They definitely I don't know if they feel intimidated, but they certainly respect very much you know, what you're trying to do. And, and they've been very responsive. So you've you've certainly, I, I see, been very successful in terms of evoking a response as opposed to them just poo-pooing. I do have one very quick question, uh, if you can, on the CUNY thing before we go. CUNY is a public city college, right? I mean, are they under the auspices of Mayor Eric Adams and, and uh, the city council? Like, how much leverage? Can Eric Adams fire people if if they don't respond? Sure. So basically, CUNY's policies are implemented by the Board of Trustees, and the Board of Trustees is uh, appointed by the mayor and the governor. So half of the Board of Trustees is appointed by the mayor and half by the governor, and they, the, board, the Board of Trustees has the authority to fire the, uh, the chancellor implement policy. Um, so it's actually very interesting. We've already looked into the board of trustees and the, the chairperson of the board of trustees is Bill Thompson, who ran for mayor, who's actually um, a friend, who's actually an anti-BDS pro-Israel supporter. So um, we're, we're working on that angle as well. Um, it seems like his term might have ended. We don't, we, we're figuring out um, exactly who's the next person to take over or if he's going to stay on. But that's another angle. Okay, so, so I get the government has influence and the government can put pressure, but I guess the government isn't directly making those kinds of decisions. Well, it's under, under the jurisdiction of the state. Um, for example, the city council doesn't have the power to issue a subpoena to the chancellor okay. to show up. The question that was asked when he didn't show up, oh, you know, can the city council subpoena the chancellor? We don't have that power. Okay, I'm going to let you go on that. Councilwoman Ina Vernikoff, I, I hopefully speak on behalf of the Orthodox Jewish community. I mean, we're so, so lucky, I think, fortunate to have you, uh, you know, representing and this outspoken, staunch supporter of Jewish values. And you know, it's very refreshing. And, you know, we're going to hear a lot more, I'm sure, exciting things. And I hope, Looking forward. I hope Thank we can you. do this again.